Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm. Swarm and tackle. Attack. We get out block them. We get out tackle them. We get out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. All right, welcome in. This is this is the special episode we've been telling you about. We said there's going to be a special episode. Well, this is it. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Football Edition. I'm AJ Hoffman. He is Scott Seidenberg. Uh, if you've been listening to this pod all year, this is the this is it, friends. This is the big one. This is where we talk about who's going to play in the national championship game. Uh, this is the. This is the culmination of the year. These are the games that actually have some meaning. We've been talking about Mayo Bowls and things like that. We've made it to the big time now. And we've got several games to get through. We are going to save the championship games for the the playoff games for the end. Uh, but let's go ahead and get started. Scott, how are you? I'm good. Uh, happy New Year to everyone listening. And be safe tonight as we record this on... Uh... You know, or be safe tomorrow night, I guess, if we record this. Wherever you're listening, just be safe. Be careful, like Fez says. Be uh, careful. It, it gets wild on New Year's, especially here in Vegas. But wherever you are, just uh, be safe. Don't get behind the wheel, obviously. And enjoy your New Year's with your friends and family and loved ones. All right. Let's get to, let's start with the Sugar Bowl. Kansas State and Alabama. Alabama. The Tide are six and a half point favorites here total on this game is sitting at around 56 and this is i mean this this is really remarkable that the players that are playing in this game are actually playing if there was any team that you would have expected to have massive massive opt-outs i think it would have been alabama considering they did not play or in, in the playoff, which was everybody's goal there. And by the way, I, I lied. This line has now moved to seven. Yeah. Uh, from yesterday, my notes had uh, six and a half and 56. Now it's seven and 57. Um, but Alabama not making the playoffs. All their guys are supposed to be first round picks. Like, why would these guys be playing? But they are. Um, they have quite a few guys in the transfer portal, but Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs, Will Anderson, Jordan Battle, Brian Branch, Malachi Moore. These guys are all playing, which is wild to me. Kansas State looks like everyone's going to play for them. I'm curious to see what the decision is at quarterback for Kansas State. Adrian Martinez hasn't played in like over a month. And obviously, he'd like some good film for the road. But Will Howard has played well. So I, I don't know what they do at quarterback. I think both offenses have some success here, particularly running the ball. I, I think Alabama's beatable on the ground. Obviously, that's what Kansas State's going to want to do with Deuce Vaughn. I think Kansas State's very beatable on the ground. I think it's a big day for Jameer Gibbs. Um, I would question motivation for the Tide here, but getting all this NFL talent to buy in and play, to me, says this is a big deal to them. Uh, this is the opportunity for Bryce Young to showcase why he should be the top pick in the draft particularly with Will Levis sitting out his game uh, we'll talk about next. Um, I don't think we'll see Bryce run the ball much. I don't think he takes any chances getting hurt, but I, I think he puts on a show here. 
I think that Alabama gets some separation late in this game. So I like Alabama, and I like the over in this one. What do you see? I like Alabama, and I think they win going away. Uh, the fact that you mentioned it, the, the players that are playing in this game for Alabama means that they have all bought in, and Nick Saban has done a good job of making sure that they buy into this game. I do think Jameer Gibbs is the X factor for Alabama, and what's also going to benefit the Tide is that Kansas State runs a very similar defensive scheme to what Pete Golding runs at Alabama. And so having this team kind of go up against the defense all the time in practice and the coaches kind of running this defense that they're going to be facing in this game, they're going to know how to attack weak points. Um, I, I, I agree with what you're saying about Bryce Young having the opportunity to solidify his slot, or at least for now, as the number one overall pick. But to me, I think it's going to be a lot of uh, Jameer Gibbs. It's going to be a lot of opportunities for them to expose some weaknesses on the Kansas State's defense. And, you know, you look at how many points Alabama scores. What is it, like 40 points per game? It's fourth best in the country. I don't see Kansas State being able to keep up with Alabama or contain Alabama. I think Alabama wins by double digits in this one, if we're being honest. I don't think the Kansas State offense is going to do what they did in the Big 12 to Alabama. All right, so it sounds like we've got some agreement there. Fireworks. I don't know. I don't know about the total though. Like, what what's the number at right now? Fifty seven. Fifty seven. So let's give Alabama. Yeah, it's gonna be close. Let's say we give Alabama like a thirty. No, because I think they win by double digits. Does Alabama? You think can Alabama score well into the thirties? Which they probably oh, I they probably so, yeah. can. So if we give them if we give Alabama 35, 38 points, they can still win this game. Yeah, I guess thirty eight twenty type of score could be. Uh, all right, yeah, I, I guess because I'm so high on Alabama's offense, I guess I would lean over. All right, so we go from fireworks in that game to fireworks in the Music City Bowl, where boy, we've got some elite offenses playing Kentucky and Iowa. Total in this game. 31 points, 31 American football points. Uh, and Iowa is minus two and a half. Woof. Um, I guess let's start with the opt-outs for Kentucky, which are pretty serious. Uh, Levis is the obvious one. Yep. Uh, but really the key to Kentucky's offense is Chris Rodriguez, and he's out. Uh, their best corner, Carrington Valentine, is out. And Cavassier um, Smoke is in the transfer portal, too. Yep. Yeah, they're down to, like, their four-string running back. I don't yep. even know. And also, I don't know who's going to be calling plays for Kentucky uh, as their play caller is out. But Iowa's got some heavy opt-outs as well. Spencer Petrus is out. His backup's transferring. They're down to a third quarterback, Joey Labus, who has never taken a snap. I don't know anything about him. Uh, so I'd be making up a story if I said, oh, this, this is what this guy can do. I have no idea what this guy can do. Um, so that it makes for an interesting, uh, turn of events. Although, I mean, is it, is there a downgrade from Spencer Petrus? I, I don't know. Probably not. Petrus sucks. Yeah. Um, the good news is for, for Iowa that Cooper DeGene is going to play Sam Laporta, the Mackey award finalist tight end. He's going to play. I, to me, this boils down to Kentucky on a backup quarterback behind a terrible offensive line and no running game. I, there's no way I can back them against Iowa, even a lesser Iowa defense. 
Um, this is, I, I don't know if I want to lay points with Iowa. Maybe I could see doing like the money line with Iowa, but this is, it's Iowa or nothing for me. I want to bet the under, but I, I can't bet under 31 in an <laughs> exhibition game. So I, I don't think I'll, I, I won't have any interest in this game, but I, maybe Iowa money line is the best way I could attack it. What do you see? So 31 lowest total, I believe, in college football history. Um, in low, a bowl game. Yeah, it's lower than what was Iowa-Nebraska earlier this year. That was 31 and a half. And I'm even seeing Circa has a 30 and a half on the board. So this 31 is actually being bet down. You mentioned just who's going to be playing for Kentucky. Looks like Destin Wade, the uh, true freshman, is going to get the start for them. Uh, uh, you got a fourth string running back in Jatan McLean is going to be running the football. Oh, and, yeah, Jatan. <laughs> yeah, Jatan McLean. And Vince Morrow, an assistant coach, is going to be calling the plays. So okay. I don't know what to expect from this Kentucky team. Here's what I'd like to bet in this game. Can we bet that there will be a safety in this game? <laughs> because th th this might be, um, I can tell you what, bet either there's going to be a safety or a defensive score because Iowa has five defensive touchdowns this season. They have three fumble recoveries for touchdowns. They have two pick sixes and... I think they can even get a special teams touchdown in this game. So I would look for like the ancillary market here, like a defensive score or a safety, but the under is the only way I could look. All right, let's look at the Relia Quest Bowl. And this one comes down to what you think is more important, the motivation factor that seems to really favor I'm Mississippi still, State. I'm, I'm still calling it the Outback Bowl. Okay. Uh, there won't be a, a blooming onion handing out the trophy or at the coin toss, unfortunately. Um, but Mississippi State had players opt back into this bowl game, and there's clearly a lot of emotion with losing their coach. Or do you look at it from the view of Mississippi State's playing without their coach? Yeah. Um, this one, there's a lot of opt-outs for uh, Illinois here. And I, I'll be honest, I was looking to be on Illinois. When I saw this matchup get put out, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll certainly be on Illinois here. But the opt-outs have turned me the other way. Um, it, it, Mississippi State can't run the ball and can't stop the run. But that's okay because Illinois is, they, you know, they're great in the secondary, but two, they've got three studs in the secondary. Well, two out of the three of them are, are out of this game. Devin Witherspoon, Sidney Brown, they're both out. The third, Quan Martin, has been really vague about whether or not he intends to play. Mm -hmm. He's been at practice, but I don't know if he's going to play. And then their running back, who, let's just face it, their offense, uh, Chris Chase Brown. Chase Brown, yep. He's out. I Like I said, I fully expected to be on Illinois because regular season Illinois is built to give Mississippi State fits. Yeah. But this isn't the regular season. I could only look at the Bulldogs here, Mississippi State. And I, I think over is the way to go as well. What do you think? Yeah. Look, Chase Brown rushed for 1,643 yards and 10 touchdowns. That is, like, impossible to replace. And defensively, which has been the strength of this Illinois team, uh, second in the nation in yards per play allowed, their defensive coordinator is now the head coach at Purdue. So he's gone. 
defensive backs coach Aaron Henry has been promoted to the defensive coordinator job. So there's transition for them. Obviously, you mentioned the transition of of who's going to be coaching uh, Mississippi State. And yeah, what's, you know, Mike Leach passing, it's terrible. These players, I'm sure, are going to rally around each other. But you you didn't just lose your head coach. You lost your offensive coordinator. You lost your play caller. You know, you lost the guy that is responsible for making this offense tick. Uh, I I don't know what the outcome of this game is going to be. It's such a coin flip game. I would actually lean towards the under, if I'm being honest. I don't know how many points get scored. I think Illinois is going to rally defensively around each other. I understand the opt-outs, but the idea that there's a new coach that's been promoted to D.C., sometimes players fight for that defensive coach. Maybe they want that defensive coach to keep the job. I don't know, but I, I look at, the loss of Mike Leach and what it means to the offense for Mississippi State. No Chase Brown, no uh, Luke Ford, who's also their tight end yep. uh, for Illinois. is not playing either, so I don't think Illinois is going to score a ton of points. I think we can get a surprising under in this game. All right, so I, I, I tend to think the opt-outs for Illinois make this an over game. Just because, well, because, so- I mean, you're worried about their secondary, but I'm worried about how Mississippi State operates on offense. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, let's look at the Cotton Bowl, uh, USC, Tulane, the Trojans, the men of Troy, as we like to call them. I don't know why I like to call them that, but it just sounds cool. Uh, Two-point favorites total in this game is 64, and USC is going to be without Jordan Addison, and they're going to be without two of their best offensive linemen. Everyone is playing for Tulane, no surprise. This is one of, if not the biggest, game in their program's history mm-hmm. meanwhile usc is playing Tulane in a bowl game so to me this comes down to two things I, I i think motivation is clearly on the side of Tulane. yeah but can usc run the ball i think it will be very difficult for usc to throw on Tulane. i know that they've got the heisman winner and they throw on everyone all year but Tulane is better in the secondary than anybody in the pac-12 this is an elite second, not just an elite G5 secondary. This is an elite football secondary. The other thing is, can Tulane run the ball? I've said all year, this USC defense is fraudulent. I think this is where it gets exposed. Tajay Spears has run for 120 plus yards in seven straight games. He's top 15 nationally in yards, top 15 nationally in touchdowns. Um. And I think the X factor here is also Caleb Williams' health. Last time we saw him in the Pac-12 championship, he couldn't walk. Like, he he was – his hamstring had fallen off the bone. I mean, he he said he's playing, but if shit hits the fan, is Riley going to leave his Heisman winner out there on the field when he isn't 100%? I think the answer is no. So I like the more motivated team. I think they match up well here. I love Tulane in this game. So I like Tulane. I lean towards the over. What do you think? Does this have a similar feel to Boise State, Oklahoma Fiesta Bowl? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I'd say a little bit. Because that's all I can think about when I'm looking at this game. I'm thinking about the upstart program from the small conference that gained national recognition this year that is much better than the average fan knows about. And yes, there's going to be people that are not paying attention to the status of key players for for uh, USC. There's going to be people that just blindly see the Trojans as you know, a small favorite and clearly 
back USC. But you're right. Uh, Tulane is is so good. They can beat you in a number of ways, especially running the football and defensively. To me, I think this is – I think Tulane wins this game outright. Not just. I thought you were going to give me pushback on this, to be honest. Because no. all, all year long when I've been saying USC stinks, you're like, no, they're not. They're but, good. But you're right. I don't know if Caleb Williams, plays, Caleb Williams plays the entire game. I don't know if there's motivation on the side for, uh, for USC. You know, Michael Pratt – is you know 25 touchdowns he ran for 10 touchdowns he threw for over 65 percent of it completion percentage um usc with their bend sometimes break defense not gonna be good against uh you, you know spears and, and and pratt and if anything i like the over in this game which is I weird which is weird for a two-lane game because of how well they played defensively but if caleb williams is doing his thing and he plays the whole game he's he's gonna be cooking right let Caleb yep. cook but I I just I think that Tulane comes into this game much like Boise State did in that game with nothing to lose which means they go for it on fourth downs which means we could see some trick plays we can see some two-point conversions and uh, it, it's I think this is going to be one of the more fun bowl games to watch that I really think Tulane has the ability to pull an upset here and shot. Uh, it it would shock the average college football fan. It wouldn't shock people that have watched this team all year. Well, you've shocked me by siding with Tulane here. So I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised it's, to hear that from it, you. It's so sharp. It's square. <laughs> all right. Let's look at the citrus bowl. Ugh, this is an ugly one too. Purdue at LSU, LSU minus 14 and a half, total 55 and a half. And this is Purdue without Aiden O'Connell, without their best wide receiver, Charlie Jones, their best tight end, Payne Durham. Without a coach. Uh, without Spencer Holdridge, their guard. They've got five starters on defense opting out, and their coach opted out to go to Louisville. Yep. Uh, Brian Brom is going to coach his brother, Jeff, Jeff Brom's brother. LSU is also going to be without some guys. They're going to be without three of their four starters on D or on the D line. Excuse me. Uh, they're going to be without their best corner. They're without two of their top three wide receivers. Now that uh, booty opted out. The, the difference here is the depth for these teams. LSU has a lot more talent depth than Purdue does. Purdue has a handful of players that matter. And that handful is all opting out of this game. LSU has players that would start for Purdue that haven't taken a snap this year. Yep. Um, the quarter, the guy playing quarterback for Purdue, Austin Burton, almost lost to Florida Atlantic in his only start. There's just nothing to like about Purdue here. This should be a blowout, uh, given Brian Kelly is motivated, which I think he will be. So I, I like LSU even laying the big number. To win for my family. Uh, Jaden Daniels is the best player on the field. There's just, there's, there's no argument. And I don't even think there's a close second if we're being honest. So uh, he's going to dominate the game for LSU. The line was six and a half prior to Jeff Brom announcing that he was leaving. And it has just climbed and climbed and climbed. And it's at, I'm seeing 15 at circa on the board right now. Uh, I think that I, I understand that the Purdue players are going to be motivated because Drew Brees is on their sidelines. Right. But that's just to me, that's just a ploy. It's a it's a marketing thing. It's something cool to 
to show your recruits because you're afraid you're going to lose people with the head coach leaving. And you're like, no, 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 wait, but like Drew Brees is a special assistant. So <laughs> you'll come to Purdue or, or, or keep your commitment and play for Purdue. So that's, you know, what, what they're banking on. I don't think he has any impact as far as coaching this team. Uh, you know, Austin Burton, who is a former UCLA uh, transfer. So the, the, the kid does have some talent, but it, it, LSU is the much better team here, the much better coached team here. And as I mentioned, Daniels is the best player on the field. So it's a heavy, heavy number, but I like LSU to win big. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if this game does go over 56 because LSU is going to put up a ton of points. All right, let's look at what they call the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. Nothing and... better nothing better than watching the Tournament of Roses parade on New Year's Day. I hate parades. Except, I hate them. Except, is the parade on going to be still on New Year's Day, or is the parade going to be on Monday? I don't know. I, I, I I'm looking parades. this up right now. So here we go. The ro- the, the, the parade is going to be on... It's going to be on Monday. They're doing the parade on Monday. The whole parade got moved for the NFL. Yeah. That's power. That's power the NFL's got. Do you remember, remember in 90210 when Donna Martin was the... Uh, she, she was like <laughs> the, the... princess? The, yeah, the, the Tournament of Roses parade, yeah. No, don't remember that. Okay, <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't, to be honest. Oh, the Rose Court. She was the come on. <laughs> uh, all right, Penn State two and a half point dogs against Utah. Total fifty two and a half. I like Penn State here. I'll just come out and say it. Uh, I think they're the more talented team, particularly on defense. Utah has played a weak schedule of defenses, and I think there's a different level of physicality that that Penn State's going to bring here. Utah also generally weaker away from home particularly cam rising has struggled away from home florida ucla oregon all losses in those games cam rising through one touchdown five interceptions uh utah is going to be without their best corner clark phillips they're gonna be without tavion thomas dalton kincaid major pieces to what utah has done on offense Penn State's going to be without a key defender and uh cornerback joey porter jr they're going to be without parker washington their receiver Yes, I think Utah has the better coach. Yes, Penn State was massively outplayed against their two best opponents this year. But Ohio State and Michigan are on a different level than Utah. And I think being away from altitude makes the Utes a lesser team. I like the Nittany Lions here plus the two and a half points. I like this to be an under game as well. What do you think? Well, let's acknowledge this is the greatest scene in college football when the sun sets in Pasadena and you get the image of the Rose Bowl with the mountains in the background there's nothing better than watching the Rose Bowl uh I just wish it was on New Year's Day um but here's what I believe for Utah the motivation is that was a that was a a a terrible loss last year in the Rose Bowl right it was the first time that Utah made the Rose Bowl They had a two-touchdown lead over Ohio State who had a bunch of backups playing. Now, we know how good those backups were. uh, And they blew the lead and lost the game, right? They gave up uh, the the last-second field goal, but they even, you know, they they, they found themselves trailing Cameron Rising, you know, not, it wasn't even Cameron Rising. I think it was the backup at that point, um, Barnes, or I don't even know what happened last year. But they they let them, they came back and scored, and it was uh, a tough loss. Let's just put it that way. A tough loss for Utah last year in the Rose Bowl. Unfinished business. Utah takes this game very seriously. 
to make up for what happened last year. They have the 22nd best defense in the country, allowing only 20.4 points per game. They have the 16th best rushing defense in the country, allowing only 107 yards per game. Uh, Passing, they only allow a little bit over 218 yards per game. I I think Utah's more talented. I I understand Sean Clifford's been there for like 12 years, but I, I think Utah, much better coached. This is a source of pride to make up for what happened last year. Uh, I'm going to back Utah, which saw their their you know season come to a, a a halt with a bad loss to Oregon, but they made up for it with two really with one I guess really good win at the end of the year over USC to get into this game. I like Utah to win. Okay, so more disagreement here. You like it as a, a high scoring, low scoring game? What do you see? I like it to go over fifty two and a half. Okay, so we're on total opposite sides of yeah. this one. Uh, all right, let's get to the playoff games, and let's start with the Fiesta Fiesta Bowl, TCU and Michigan. Michigan, seven and a half point favorites, total of 58 and a half. And much like I have been a non-believer in TCU or in a USC all season, I have been a non-believer in TCU all season. But... Their cornerbacks are solid, um, I, but I think other than that, their offense is very, or excuse me, their defense is very beatable, and I think Michigan has been sort of, I mean, for a team that's played as well as they have for the last two years, I think they still are kind of flying under the radar. I think this is an elite defense, and this is the most important thing. TCU is so reliant on big plays, and Michigan just doesn't let you get big plays. TCU's offense struggled against Baylor. Texas, Kansas State, the teams that don't give up explosives, Michigan doesn't give them up. I also think on the other side, I think Michigan's offensive line can dominate. I think they can grind on them. I think they'll run the ball, take underneath routes all day. I worry a little bit about not having Blake Corum, um, but I think that costs them more in the next game than it will in this one. What Michigan did to Ohio State is very repeatable against this TCU team. They're built similarly. Duggan, mobile quarterback, NFL quality receivers, just like Stroud and Ohio State have. I don't think they'll do what they did offensively through the air against Michigan, but I think that's that was what they saw as a weakness with the Buckeyes. I trust McCarthy to take what he's given, not play into the frog strength. I like Michigan. Seven and a half, I'm not sure. I may buy to a seven. Um, if, if I were playing this, but I also like the under in this game. What are you thinking? Let me give you uh, some results here of college football playoff semifinal games. 34 Yes. The semifinals, for whatever reason, we've had two good games, right? Georgia-Oklahoma, the double overtime game in 2017 at the Rose Bowl. That was a good close game. You want to say Clemson-Ohio State Fiesta Bowl, which was a a six-point game, was a good game a couple of years ago. Other than that, every game is a rout. And that includes Michigan getting blown out 34-11 last year. But I think Michigan's the one that does the blowing out here in this spot. TCU has not faced any team or any offensive line 
as good as what Michigan is going to be able to do. Michigan is just going to grind possessions. They might keep the ball for 30, 35 minutes in this game, maybe more, because they're just going to move the ball, move the chains, a couple of big running plays maybe here and there. But with that offensive line, with this running game, even without quorum, and with the third best defense in the country, who only allowed a couple of teams to run for over 100 yards against them, and one of them was Illinois, who has the best running back in the country in Chase Brown. I, I just, man, I think we're headed towards another double-digit win for a college football playoff game. We these, these semifinals, I keep going back in the history. We haven't had a good semifinal game in a while, and I don't think this one's going to be a good one either. I think Michigan wins going away. All right, so sounds like we have some agreement there. But I will say this, even though I don't think it, even though I think it's going to be a blowout, uh, I kind of like the under. Okay. Just because. I mean, I do too. Just because like, what and what do we, what do we say? Like we always, you know, think that, oh, just because it's going to be a, a blowout means it's going to be an over. That's not necessarily the case. Like look at last year. Last year, Georgia beat Michigan 34-11. Like that game was not close. That game goes under this number. Right, yeah. Alabama beat Notre Dame thirty-one fourteen a couple of years ago. Yep, that goes under this number. So I think that, that, I think it's an under game. That's the type of game I see happening. I think Michigan can win this game thirty-one fourteen. I think Michigan can win this game thirty-one to ten. You know, something like that. That that we get in under a fifty-eight, fifty-eight and a half, but Michigan wins this by double digits. Okay, yeah, well, I think we see this game the same way. Then also, Michigan does not turn the football over. They're one of the least uh, turnover teams in the country, so that's not going to give TCU short fields or or extra possessions. All right, let's look at the Peach Bowl, the other semifinal: Ohio State, Georgia. I this number six six now sixty two is the total. Uh, I think Ohio State can have some success on offense here. They're going to try and make big plays down the field, which is the right call against Georgia because you can't run the ball on them. You can't out-physical them. So Ohio State's going to have to make big plays, and I think they'll make some. The problem for Ohio State is Georgia is going to get whatever they want on offense. I think Ohio State was exposed against Michigan, who just smashed them in the trenches. And Georgia... Better offensive line than Michigan. Georgia is going to do ugly, ugly things to this Ohio State front. Ohio State's weak on the outside. So I think this probably ends up being a Stetson-Bennett game more than a a running game for Georgia. I think both offenses have some success here. I like the over probably more than anything. But I think Georgia, again, handles business in this game. What are you you thinking? I get it. There's there's the the idea that Oh, Ohio State doesn't belong in this game. They shouldn't have made the college football playoff. So the sharp play would be to play on Ohio State to prove the public wrong, and they keep this thing close. But I just I, I can't see that being the case, given what we've seen from Ohio State and what we've seen from Georgia this year. Um, you know, Georgia, when it, they had a couple of games where you thought this year was going to be like a tough test for them, right? Uh, the Oregon game and the Tennessee game. And those were handled rather easily. Uh, 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 Yes, Ohio State has offense and they can make some plays. Georgia, though, number four, number five, excuse me, in um, 
if we look at the oh sorry, excuse me, number eight defense in America, right? Offensively for Georgia, here's these numbers. Number one in red zone offense. Number four in the least amount of tackles for loss allowed. So no one gets in the backfield against them. They're the fifth best team in the country in third down conversions. They're the eighth best team in the country in time of possession. They will keep the ball. They will score on all of their drives. And once again, we will not have a close college football playoff semifinal game. Georgia wins this one going away. Uh, I I feel like wh- where's our total sitting at now? We're at sixty two. Uh, I wish it was a little lower. I wish it was a little lower because I I kind of I do like points to be scored in this game, but I think it's going to be like a thirty five twenty four type of game, which doesn't necessarily hit this uh, this over number. So I guess I'd go Georgia and the under. Although I might consider, if you can, taking a look at a Georgia team total over because I think Georgia easily scores 35 somewhat points in this game. Yeah, so it sounds like we look at this one the same way, too. We, at least we have agreement on these playoff games. Yeah, well, it, uh, it, it's it's history, AJ. I mean, you, the, none of these games have been close. Like, I know everyone loves the idea of the playoffs, and it's great giving teams a chance, but when have we ever... I mean, I guess, I guess you can say at least we've had upsets, but those games haven't been close, so it's not just as simple as putting, you know, the, the number one and number two teams right. in. Like, Ohio State was below Clemson, and Ohio State blew out Clemson a couple of years years ago so we have had upsets where the the lower ranked team uh or the lesser deserving team or whatnot has won but none of these games have been good i I mentioned it we've had two games that have been close in in the history of this of this format and it's been since 2014 2015 so why am i going to expect that all of a sudden now we're going to have close games in the college football playoff semifinals when we've really never had it before. Uh, By the way, looking right now at the Ohio State-Georgia game, Georgia team total is at 34.5, minus 120. To me, that's my favorite play in this game because Georgia's scoring 35 points. All right, there you go. And I agree with that as well. All right, what are we going to do for our best bets for this pod? Georgia to score 35 points. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that works for me as well. Let's do that. Let's, let's make that the best bet. If you, uh, if you, yeah, if you can get a Georgia team total that's at thirty-four and a half or even lower, you bet that. If a cockroach book out there is going to post a thirty-five and a half, I'd be very upset with that because thirty-five is a key number because it's just a clean, you know, touchdown number that you get touchdown and extra points. Over thirty-four and a half is my best bet for Georgia and for for this college football playoff. All right, that is going to do it. But before we get out of here, we got to give you a promo code. Uh, and obviously, 20% off whatever you want at pregame.com. Use the promo code CLOCK20, C-L-O-C-K-2-0, 20% off anything from myself, from Scott. But you know what, AJ? Steve Fezzik, you from know, McKenzie, you know whoever. What, you know what, AJ, though? We, we gave out that promo code as well earlier this week, so there might be some listeners that used that already. And it is one time per listener. So if you haven't used Clock 20, you can you can still use it. It's still good. So go to pregame.com and use it. If you've already used Clock 20, use this promo code now, TIME20. Oh. And guess what? If you haven't used Clock 20, use Clock 20, and then use TIME20 after that. So you get 20%, 20% off, off of both. Twice. You get 20% off twice. That's called the bang bang. 
so either way, go to go to pregame.com, use time 20, clock 20, whichever you haven't used, and save 20% off anything at pregame.com. Scott, it's, uh, by the way, if you want the our pick for the national championship game, you're going to have to listen to Straight Out of Vegas AM. This is the final episode. This is it for the college football pod this year. Uh, of course, we'll be back next year. Don't worry. But uh, straight out of Vegas AM, search it on your podcast player. That's where we will have the uh, our, our, our breakdown of the championship game when we get there. So uh, please join us on that ride. And uh, and again, thanks to you guys for, for riding with us all season long. It has been fun um, and hopefully profitable for you guys. And Scott, thanks, man. It's been fun all season long, and and hopefully uh, everybody has a profitable New Year's worth of games. And we will talk to you next season. Offense, play fast. Defense, swarm. Swarm and tackle. Attack. We get out block them. We get out tackle them. We get out hit them and hustle. It's real simple. You out block them, you out tackle them, you out hit them, and you out hustle. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight! Leave no doubt tonight! No doubt!